It is Friday morning, October 11th, and this is Nosebleeds after three thrilling ALDS, NLDS finishes. And now we're on to the championship series. Jackson Heil to my left, Jimmy Sullivan to my right, Emmanuel Rabari, and we're fresh off that Rays-Astros five-game series. Look, guys, it wasn't necessarily expected, but the Rays, like they have all season, crafty enough to force a fifth game. And last night, you don't know what the Astros did but they find themselves in the championship series. I'm not going to say it wasn't a surprise because I think with what we've seen from Tampa all year, overcoming injuries, the pitching they have to be able to go out and just beat you in so many different ways. I will say I was surprised with how they got to Verlander in game four, and that was impressive in itself. But, I mean, Garrett Cole is just on another planet right now <laughs> with the way he's pitching. I mean, strikes out another 10 guys last night in eight innings. Tyler Glass no tipping pitches in the first inning last night, which was pretty apparent right from the onset. And It's amazing how just one small glitch can cost your team a season, and that's exactly what happened last night. Just as easily could have been the other way around, yeah. and that's why we talk about Game 5s, like, don't predict them. Yep. Rays forced the Game 5. They could have just as easily been in the ALCS Saturday. Yeah, it's it's absolutely right, and you look at the Rays, I, I kind of look at this lineup. You were talking about their craftiness. Winner take all, Game 5, to save your season. Who's hitting cleanup? Travis Darno. <laughs> G-Man Choi in the three-hole. G-Man Choi in the three-hole. Eric Sogard in the five-hole. I mean, this is what the The Rays one run they got was from Sogard, yeah. who hasn't even Everyone been was saying lineup. hashtag nerd power when they saw <laughs> Sogard starting for the first time in like a month in the five-hole in a game five. And when you look at it, I'm not going to take anything away from the Astros because they deserve to be in the championship series. They're a great team. But their bats went silent in the final four games of this series. And when you look at that tipping pitches aspect of things with Glass now. He figured it out after the first inning, and not to say he had a great performance after that, but if it's not for that one glitch, Houston really didn't hit in this series. Tampa really did its job in shutting Houston down. They don't find out that one thing in Glass now's delivery, and you're looking at a Tampa pitching staff that was just overpowering in this five-game set. Yeah, and it absolutely was, and Part of that, obviously, is because Tampa is just so good with their staff. I mean, their bullpen is arguably the best in baseball outside of the Yankees. And you look, like you said, in Game 5 yesterday, I mean, obviously you can't discount what they did in that one inning because it was such a huge part of the game. I mean, it's the entire reason they won the game. But you do have a point in that their bats need to wake up a bit. And they still had some guys who hit. I mean, Bregman was great the entire series. Jordan Alvarez pretty much hit the entire series. But, I mean... George Springer started the series like 0 for 15 or something crazy like that. Didn't have a hit till game four. Uh, Jose Altuve really had one big home run in this series and then kind of silenced out after game three. But, yeah, I, I do think going forward that I'm not going to say the bats are a concern because it's one of the best lineups we've ever seen, but it's a completely different animal with this Yankees team, not really because of their pitching, but because of – what their lineup is going to be able to do to Houston's pitching because you look in what how they're going to be set up for game one, Zach Greinke was a disaster in game three against Tampa, and he's probably going to have to get the ball in game one. Game one essentially becomes a must-win for the Yankees, in my opinion, because you're going to have to win one in Houston somehow and no better opportunity than to not have to do it against Cole or Verlander in game one with your best coming out on rest. Uh, that, that game becomes 
a Pretty big important. one for Pretty the Yankees. Important. If it's not must win, best. it's close yeah. to it. And if they don't win the game, game two is going to become must win territory. So mm-hmm. uh, the Yankees will have a shot early in that series, and we'll get to the preview of that series. But I'm not sure if I'm so concerned about the Astros lineup, almost because they got some of that mojo back at the end of the series. And when you're able to sneak by a team like Tampa in the first round when you don't really hit, I think it's a testament to how good you are. And now I think it's just a matter of a balancing act because we're about to see two of the best lineups we've ever seen go at it. And now it's just great pitching against great hitting and what prevails. And and it's kind of a fascinating matchup we're about to see in the different strengths that these two teams have. Yeah, and the Astros lineup, I mean, might as well just run through some of the numbers. Carlos Correa, who I thought was kind of going to be an X factor for this team coming back with all the injuries in the regular season, three for 19. If you take the outfield, if you combine Reddick and Tucker under 100 for the series, that's also not going to get it done. Brantley was terrible, too. He didn't do yeah. anything. Until he didn't do anything last. until the thing of last night. The way I look at it, though, is all of that happened. And, and by the way, the Rays are a really good team, and the Astros still mm-hmm. won that series. I mean, the Rays were no pushover. They wouldn't have been a pushover if they got to the ALCS. No one in the American League was no, a pushover this year. absolutely not. And the Astros still won that series. So... If you start to look up and down the lineup and you start getting contributions from Springer and Brantley and Correa and some and you know corner outfield as well, you know, you look at it and you say, "Hey, you're going to probably be okay." But it's a matchup of power pitching against the hitting of the Astros. This Astros team doesn't strike out. They strike out more people than anybody on the pitching side. They don't strike out. They strike out less than anybody on the hitting side. So that's going to be a fascinating matchup. I still favor the Astros in this series. Um, Yes, it doesn't line up for them like it would have been if Verlander or Cole could have gone game one. But I still like Houston. I think they're still going to take it in six or seven. I think it's going to be a great series. I'm really looking forward to it. And I think Yankees, Astros, two best teams in baseball, facing off in the ALCS. That's the way I look at it. I don't look at it as a traditional championship series. I think these are the two best teams in baseball going at it, and I'm really excited to And now it. there's no doubt about it because anyone who could have made a case for the Dodgers is completely silenced with Joe Kelly coughing up their season. So it, it, regardless of how you put it, the Astros will put Verlander and Cole out there twice in this series. You're probably looking at Cole in games three and seven, Verlander in games two and six. They can piece together the middle games, which makes this very interesting because those middle games are going to be at Yankee Stadium. So that gives Yankees a little bit of an advantage in terms of extending the series. But you talk about lineup depth. That's what makes this series so cool. Like Carlos Correa was hitting seventh for the Astros. He's a guy who could be an MVP candidate if he's on his game. And then you look at the Yankees case. When they don't have uh, Stanton hitting or uh, Sanchez hitting, you know, you have Glaber Torres in the six hole or like Didi who had a down year, but is still a very competent hitter in the eighth hole. So these lineups are very deep and I love the matchup of these pitching staffs because they both miss a ton of bats. I think the key in this series is how does Houston fill in the gaps because you're going to get f- probably four games, I would guess, out of Verlander and Cole. I don't think you're there's really any way you're going to get any more, but in the ALDS, you can get away with going with the three-man staff and just going with Granky. I don't know if that's going to be necessarily the case in this series, especially when you have to play three straight games in three straight days in New York with Cole being the one that would go in game three. So I'm not sure if they necessarily trust Granky. I'm sure they do, but you never know after how he fared in Tampa to go and make another road start, especially if it's a scenario where 
he has to start a game four and they're down two one Nessus maybe short or rest wow. in one of those where you have to go with him on short rest. I just don't know how, how they're going to handle it because they don't seem to trust Wade Miley at this point because he pitched out of the pen in game three and was pretty bad and finished the year terribly even though he had such a strong year as a whole. I, I'm just curious to see how Houston tries to fill the gaps between Cole and Verlander in terms of pitching because even though the Yankees don't have the strength of a Cole or Verlander going, they still know what they're doing as a pitching staff, and they can bullpen games to fill the gaps between Paxson and Tanaka and Severino. So I'm just a little concerned for Houston to see how they fill that because they had to use their bullpen a lot more than they were anticipating in the division series. And that's something that I thought was actually going to be the opposite because I thought it was going to be a strength for them if they would close out the division series so quickly with Verlander and Cole going seven or eight innings in each start. Instead, Granke and Verlander barely lasted any innings in games three and four, had to use their bullpen, and now they're in a spot where I don't really know if they can do a bullpen game in a game four or a game five if they want to go that route. So that's something that I'm really going to be interested to see how A.J. Hinch handles. So we were waiting until the end of the divisional round to record this. The Yankees do sweep the Twins. We didn't get to break that down. The Yankees just dominated the Minnesota Twins, and a team that looked really, really potent, really, really elite throughout the regular season was silenced. The Yankees did everything they wanted to. Their, Their starting pitchers did the job. They went early and often to the bullpen. The bullpen did the job. The offense looked dynamic, top to bottom. There were no complaints there with the Yankees. The defense was stupendous, especially in Game 3, where about five defensive plays you can name that saved them the game. And that's to Jackson's point where they can piece together these games, and I think one of the biggest keys out of that Yankee bullpen has been Chad Green. And you look at the second half of the year, posting like a .5 ERA, He's their hottest pitcher, and they were able to get away with using a guy like Adam Adovino for a one-batter matchup. They went into that series and said, Adam Adovino is facing Nelson Cruz. And Adovino is one of their best one-inning pitchers all season long, and all of a sudden Chad Green becomes a multi-inning option. And that's what makes the Yankees so scary out of that bullpen. I never thought Adam Adovino was going to turn into a right-handed Adam Kalark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they actually did it. They, they and really he did. failed twice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, this, was, this was the fear I had coming into this series with, like you said, the dynamic nature of the Yankees pitching and... Not so much on the twin side, right? Where you're depending, especially in game one, you're depending on a guy like Jose Barrios to take you deep into that game. He only goes four innings. You bring in Littell, he was terrible. And then... Wait, Randy Dobnak is an elite? <laughs> He's got a 4.99 rating. That's very elite. But um, it is. I think this, I think this was the fear, though, for, for Minnesota and, and also the strength of the Yankees, right? You had a number of different options out of the bullpen. I thought Adam Adovino was one of their best relievers, if not their best reliever all season long. Correct. And you're going to him... In a specialist role, like you said, to face Nelson Cruz, and Chad Green becomes a multi-inning option. Even Canely was a specialist for lefty bats. So I'm sure these roles will be redefined for Houston because in a seven-game series, I don't think you can get away with using Adovino one batter at a time. But in this series, in a short setting, I think it was brilliant. I think you found lanes for Canely and Adovino. First sign of trouble, you brought him in. And then Green was like that sixth and seventh inning guy, get us to Britain. That was his job. Yeah, and, and Aaron Boone knows if he manages like that in a full series, a seven-game series, they're going to get murdered. So right. <laughs> you, you do it in a five-game series against the Twins where the Twins also no pushover. We didn't think. you know They won over 100 games. They had a really great year, but they just didn't have the pitching to match up with the Yankees pitching and also the Yankees power bats. And, and basically – 
everyone for the Yankees hit in that series. Everybody who needed to hit, essentially, with the exception, I would say, of Gary Sanchez. So this this was a lineup that was really impressive for them, and Giancarlo Stanton didn't do a lot either. But other than that, this lineup basically, from top to bottom, hit. And when you can hit a guy like Gleyber Torres near the bottom of your lineup, and you've got a guy like a Brett Gardner hitting third, which, by the way, I never thought we would say at the beginning of the season, but you know he's kind of been a big bopper for the Yankees this year. But when you can hit a guy like Gleyber Torres near the bottom of your lineup and you can bring back a guy like Edwin Encarnacion who had been hurt and then just comes back and doesn't miss a beat, huge luxury to have. And they hit like that against the Astros, they're going to win the series. Now, I think the Astros pitching matches up a lot better than the Twins does, but this lineup is hitting right now, and, and that's a big development for the Yankees. I wouldn't say it's a development because it's what they've done all season long, but it was really impressive to see that against Minnesota and they were really impressive, and the pitching was also good enough to keep that Twins lineup, which is really, really good at bay. So I was really impressed with the Yankees, and unfortunately it's kind of what I feared would happen to the Twins, and, and it wound up coming through. The Twins look completely overmatched in literally every aspect terrible. of the game. They, 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 they were terrible. That, that, that's really all you could put in. It's not really to take credit away from the Yankees because the reason they looked so bad was because of how good the Yankees were really in terms of their starting pitching and their bullpen and, like you said, the bats. But, I mean, every big bat that the Twins needed to step up just was a no-show in this series. I mean, other than really Eddie Rosario, who even up until the end of Game 4 really didn't do a whole lot. I mean, Cruz struggled. Miguel Sano had one hit in this series, it felt like, and... Max Kepler was non-existent. Don't even think he had a hit in this series. So every big bat that the Twins had that really was so good this year didn't step up. And obviously the pitching was an issue in itself. The decision to go Dobnak in Game 2 over Odorizzi was a questionable one at best, I think, even though it's the matchup in Yankee Stadium. I mean, I think in a Game 2 like that, when you're down 1-0 already after looking pretty outmatched in game one you got to go with your best for me in game two and I, I was kind of stunned with the way that Rocco Baldelli handled that but again it, it really didn't matter either way to be quite honest I think that this was going to end in a sweep regardless at that point but like you mentioned Jimmy I think the the way the Yankees bats have contributed this postseason they are they are scary for anyone even for Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole going forward. And it really is going to just be a heck of a series. And it's going to be really exciting. And you talked about the contributions up and down the lineup. So you mentioned Gary Sanchez, the one guy that didn't necessarily come through. And it's funny how much that doesn't even matter. Like (laughs) a, a guy like Gary Sanchez in 2017, if he didn't produce, that was a big deal for the Yankee lineup. They probably would go into an extended lull in 2017 if he didn't produce. And when you're highlighting the difference between those two series, you can just look at it right there, the lineup depth, and then someone like Giancarlo Stanton not doing a lot. And when I hear people say he should not be in the lineup for this upcoming series, he walked five times. These pitching staffs are still afraid of him. So the impact he has on that lineup, especially if he's passing the baton, I think is profound because they know if they make a mistake that he's going to hit it. And they're just giving him the free pass. And that was a big theme with this lineup all series. You don't pitch to us, we're going to move it along. And the Twins were just killed by walk after walk after walk in the four-hour games one and two. And the Yankees were able to capitalize on it. And someone like Didi, who hasn't hit all season, comes back to own the Twins. So I think that lineup depth... Same with Houston is what's going to make this an epic seven-game series. I also think, too, you know, a guy like Stanton hit 59 home runs two years ago, was the MVP two years ago. 
But I would argue, and and I want to see if you guys agree with this, I don't think there is a quote-unquote main guy in this Yankees lineup, right? There are several guys who can carry the load on any given day, whether it's Gleyber Torres or Edwin Encarnacion or Aaron Judge or, or when he's right, Gary Sanchez. But I don't think there's one guy that you look to and say, this is the guy we have to get out. And that And that is a credit to the Yankees' depth because there are seven to eight guys in this lineup who can really hurt you on an everyday basis. Jimmy, I'll give you someone. Who? If you want to win this series, I think you have to handle Aaron Judge yeah. if you're Houston. Now, I'm not saying you can because Aaron Judge is locked in right now. The Twins did not stand a chance at getting him out in that series, and they walked him a lot. They didn't pitch to him. But if you want any chance at the top of that lineup, especially with DJ LeMahieu and Aaron Judge, I think you're going to have to do something about it and start to have some success there because if there's one glue guy, one rock guy in this lineup, and I think it was underrated how great a series he had, it's Aaron Judge because he didn't necessarily have the numbers in terms of home runs or RBIs, but I think he made this lineup run against the Twins. The also thing is that this is the same thing with Houston, too. I mean, you yeah. look up and down their lineup, there's seven or eight guys that it's like, how do I have to get this many guys out? It's murder's row on both sides. It, it really is. And I think part of the reason that there isn't a guy that you have to get out is because there's so many main guys that could be that guy. I mean, you could point to. Stanton, you could point to Judge, you could point to Encarnacion, like you mentioned, who's had such a terrific series as well. And then you shift over to Houston, you got Springer, Altuve, Bregman, Correa. I mean, the list just goes on and on in both of these lineups, which just makes it that I think we're going to have a lot of four-and-a-half-hour games in this series <laughs> with the quality of at-bats that we're going to get. And even with how good the pitching was for Houston and New York in these two series, I just don't see a scenario in which that we're not going to get such long at-bats in each game just because that's how good these hitters are. I mean, we talked about the quality at-bats, especially in Game 1 and 2 for the Yankees. I mean, they worked something like, what, seven walks in Game 1? It was something. It was like eight in Game 2. It was crazy. And, I mean, it really is a testament to how good these hitters are and how patient these hitters are and also how Minnesota just wanted no part and tried to pitch around them, and they just couldn't do so. It got themselves in trouble and put – the Yankees' big bats in situations where they could drive in runs in so many different occasions in this series. And Houston's going to have to step up their game in terms of hitting, obviously we mentioned, in this series just because I thought there were too many times where they just had pushover at-bats, especially in games three and four, and that allowed Tampa to really jump out ahead early. So that's something that I think is going to have to be a big difference maker for Houston if they want to win this series. And I think it'll ultimately come down to that, and I think they will do that, and it'll make it a great series. I'm not saying it's as easy as doing it against Minnesota, but the Yankees are going to have to do kind of the same thing they did against Minnesota in terms of working counts because I know it's easier to hit Verlander or Cole when you're the Yankees and you have that caliber of a lineup, but if you can get into that bullpen by the sixth or seventh inning, I like the Yankees' chances, especially if it's a close game, one run, two runs. I like the Yankees' chances to win that game. So you better hope you're pushing their pitch count above 100 pitches by the sixth inning. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I think as I map out this series, and we, Jackson, you talked a little bit about it before. If I'm the Yankees, I would like to be up 2-1 going into game four because we saw what happened with Justin Verlander short, uh, starting on short rest in Tampa Bay. It was a horror show. It was He got lit up like crazy in that first inning, and there's no reason to think the same thing wouldn't happen again if they did have to start a guy like a Granke or, or even a Verlander in short rest, say, for a game five. So it'll be interesting to see for the Yankees. But, yeah, I mean, 
You have to work deep counts, right? The bullpen for the Astros, I don't want to say it's a weakness, but it's not nearly as strong as, as right. going up against Verlander or Cole. And, and the way it presented itself, too, right? Tampa has one of the best bullpens in the game. They shut him down in games three and four. And game five was kind of a non-starter because Tyler Glass now gave up four runs in the first inning. But, you know, you get a lead with this Yankees bullpen, even with the Astros lineup, I think you have to feel pretty good because you've got guys for basically any matchup. You're going to obviously have everyone available. You're going to have to use all of those guys. They're going to be asked to do a lot. But I still think you have to feel decent because you've got a matchup for basically anyone in the Houston lineup, and you've got the depth in the bullpen. You could turn to just about anyone on that roster to get you a couple of outs at pretty much any point in the game, depending on how the starters do. And that also takes pressure off the starters, too, because a guy like James Paxton may not necessarily have to go too deep into a game to to have a good outing. It would help, but he doesn't necessarily have to. Do I don't it. think he will be. If if I'm looking out for one guy, and, and there are so many guys in this Yankee bullpen, but be careful for that uh, CC Sabathia addition to the bullpen in this series. Not saying they have to use him or will use him, but he's replacing Tyler Lyons probably, who was the lefty guy who didn't necessarily see a lot of action in the Minnesota series. Sabathia's splits against lefties are still very good, and you have two lefties out there in that Houston lineup, notably in Brantley and Alvarez, who I could see lanes actually for a guy like CeCe in his final season to come out and get those outs early in a game, potentially if you need it. So that might be one last hurrah in his career. So let's move over to the NL because we had some brilliant series there, and the Dodgers choke it up again. Let's let's be <laughs> frank here. They choked up this game. It just happened to be two rounds earlier than they usually do it. And this time it's Clayton Kershaw. This time, I mean, when isn't it? Clayton Kershaw allows a back-to-back home runs to Rendon and Soto in Game 5, and they leave Kelly in far too long, and he allows the go-ahead grand slam to Howie Kendrick. This is a great series. It was back and forth. You could have made the case that the Nationals could have had this series in four games if they had somewhat of a bullpen. So the Nationals thoroughly outplayed the Dodgers. And look, the Dodgers will not have a chance to get back to the World Series after a 106-win season. I think it just showcases how good the Nationals are. They're really a great team without a bullpen. And you have to give credit to the Nationals. Don't get me wrong. They had an awesome series, and they gutted out some tough wins. They kind of blew a game, not too late, but in game three they had the lead and they, they Dodgers wound up blowing that open. But to me, this is not about the Nationals. This is about the Dodgers once again. And, and I'm kind of humored by the people who say, oh, well, D- Dave Roberts' job is in jeopardy now. I mean, this is a team, I mean, for God's sakes, two out of the last three years they won 100 games. And two His out job of the last should be in jeopardy. Years, they went to the World Series, but that reeked of Grady Little. I mean, that you leave Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly. Of all people, Joe Kelly, yeah. <laughs> Joe Kelly for his second inning of work. I mean, what are you doing? This is game five. This is winner take all. This is Of a 106-win season. Yes. I mean, you're, he you needs were, to go. You might have been. You were the best team in the National League. You might have been the best team in baseball all year. And you're in a game five in extra innings. Joe Kelly. Why? Like, what What are you doing? It's like he's managing, like, there was a game five on tap after that. Like, we don't necessarily need to win this yeah, game. And Kershaw, I understood, because three years ago when they played the Nationals, they went to Kershaw on one day's rest out of the bullpen, and he closed out that game. That made sense. That was fine. But to not have Kenley Jansen out there at any point until that game was blown open, that was pathetic. And I don't know if Dave Roberts needs to lose his job, 
But, man, we've seen it twice now. 2017 World Series, he got outmanaged by A.J. Hinch. And in 2019, Game 5, he gets he outmanaged himself. I mean, that, that was embarrassing. It was. It was embarrassing in every aspect. And I've been a pretty big Dave Roberts supporter. And this was his worst moment as a manager. And it wasn't even close. I mean, you can at least understand Kershaw, like, I guess, the logic of it. But... There were better matchups in that inning. I mean, you could have gone Kent to Maeda to start the inning against Rendon. And then I don't get how Kolarek didn't get in this game exactly. at some point to face Soto, which was absolutely remarkable to me. You intentionally walk Juan Soto to keep Joe Kelly in the game <laughs> to face Howie Kendrick. Not only are you intentionally walking Soto, you're loading the bases so that Joe Kelly can stay in the game. To face Howie Kendrick, I totally with Kelly understood Jansen hot. Kershaw. I totally understood Kershaw yeah. because but you could at least live with Kershaw. He, he got the out to end the inning, left on left. Then he comes back out. If I'm if I'm Roberts right there, I'm thinking Kershaw is finishing this game for me. Yeah. he's bringing us into the LCS. So I understand that once he coughs up the game, you're not going to keep him in there. But I understood Kershaw. Joe Kelly made no sense. I mean, I almost think he's a Red Sox spy now where his job is to ruin the Dodgers' season. He ruined it last year when he pitched well out of the Red Sox bullpen. Now he heads over there and sabotages a 106-win season. So as much as this is on Dave Roberts, start investigating Joe Kelly for treason. I think this is what it comes down to. And I don't want to hear 106 wins. There comes a time where you need a culture change or just a change. At the top, I, I I think Roberts needs to go. I think the Dodgers need to go in a new direction. That organization is cursed right now. They cannot win the World Series. So I don't know what they need to do to do it. They have so much talent on that roster. And let, let's not go without mentioning this, too. Cody Bellinger was awful in that series. I think he needs to start being called out for never coming through in a big moment. And look, the Dodgers need to be held fully accountable because as good as the Nationals were and as good as we're going to give them praise for being a great team, great starting pitching, Great young offense, no bullpen, but they were able to piece it together with the starters. There were plenty of pieces on this Dodgers side that performed all year that did not perform in the postseason, and that starts with Cody Bellinger, who went 4-for-19 in this series. Inexcusable. He got outplayed by Anthony Rendon, and your star's got to step up when it matters. And the two stars for L.A., Clayton Kershaw and Cody Bellinger, not going to say, I mean, Kershaw clearly cost them the series, but... Bellinger was equally as terrible in in big spots. And shifting over to the Nationals for just a second, I mean, you got to remember, this is a team that's been down two runs in elimination games and has gotten to Kershaw and Josh Hader now in big spots. I mean, there's no quit in this Nationals team whatsoever. I mean, even with Kershaw on the hill and, like, even with all his struggles, like, this is easily a team that could have just folded down two runs. No late quit in the, in the Nationals team. That sounds new. <laughs> what have we it said is, that in the it past? Is. And rest in peace to all the meme jokes about the Nationals not being able to come through in a big spot because, oh, those were my zen. Those were my zen for a long time. I mean, watching, watching them blow it in Game Five in 2012. I mean, the back-to-back Game Fives against the Dodgers and the Cubs in Game Five, where their pitching just imploded late. I mean, Kershaw. We remember he was the one who closed it out in that game five back in, what was it, 2015, I believe, 2016. 16, I think, 2016, yeah. then 17, it was the Cubs topping them. So, I mean, credit to Davey Martinez for the way he uses pitching in this series. 
considering he doesn't really have much of a bullpen. I mean, the Nationals really have four or five pitchers they can count on each night, and three of those guys are their starting pitchers in Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, and they can't use those guys every night. So Martinez is presented with a tough situation, and listen, I mean, he goes to Corbin in a big spot after he really was the reason that they lost Game 3 when he came out of the bullpen. He has the trust to go back to essentially his best option out of the bullpen. He gets it done, and then they break it open in the 10th and win it with Doolittle to close it down. So credit to Davey Martinez and the way that the Nationals were able to finish. I mean, we were mentioning on the podcast, I mean, I wanted to pick the Nationals so badly, but there was something about me that just couldn't do it. And you guys both picked them, obviously. Like This is a team that has a talent to go and win a World Series. It's just a matter of, do they have enough pitching to get themselves through two seven-game series? I'm not convinced they do, and I'm not convinced they actually have enough to get through one seven-game series. But I, I would be remiss to say that this isn't a team that has the talent to win this World Series, because it certainly does. So first, they need to get through one seven-game series, and that'll be the St. Louis Cardinals, who somehow now have home field advantage. For this series, like the NL has gone awry. Now you have Cardinals, Nationals, starting in St. Louis tonight to determine the National League pennant. And look, they've got to give the Cardinals credit as well for getting through that five-game series against the Braves. One of the worst game fives we've ever seen. 10-0 come the first inning. And the Braves, there were multiple befuddling decisions as well. They do not pitch Soroka more than once. They go Keuchel twice. They go Fulte Nevich twice, and they ultimately just cough up the series in the worst way possible. I can't imagine being a fan walking into SunTrust Park a few minutes late, and all of a sudden you see like a six or seven spot on the board. And there, there, are, there are a lot of those in Atlanta where they walk in, you know, ten minutes into the game, and it's like, whoa. And I mean, I, I, brutal. This is a, this is a true story. I was watching it on my phone, and I didn't get to see the first 10 or 15 minutes, and I saw, oh, the base is loaded. And you guys know this. TBS has kind of a smaller score bug in the corner, so I kind of squinted. I was like, that five? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, what? And then I kept watching it, and I was like, but imagine it's a winner-take-all game, and you're in game five, you're at home, crowd behind you, and you give up a 10 spot. That's impossible. Not only the 10 spot, but the way they gave it up, too. I yeah, mean, no home runs. I mean, no home runs. You have a booted ball by Freeman in the first inning, which, listen, I'm not going to call it a huge, like, a. it's a, not a terrible error because that ball was hit hard, but it's a play that a gold glove first baseman and Freddie Freeman should make, and that, that was a doubled play ball that could have ended that inning, and it could have been at one nothing. Max Free comes in, and the first thing he does is he walks the pitcher with the bases loaded. The, the first thing he does is walk the pitcher with the bases loaded. And then the 10th run comes on a strikeout that gets away from Brian McCann. Marcelo Zuno was halfway back to the dugout. He's like, all right, I'm going to go run to first base, actually. McCann falls down behind the plate and can't get the ball there. That was one of the worst innings I've ever seen for a team ever. And that came in an elimination do-or-die game five. And I think, although he had a good outing, although we're going to trust him down the line, Jack Flaherty walking the leadoff batter after being handed a 10-0 lead in the first inning, you got you have to remove him from that game and never pitch oh. him again. All right, you need to calm yourself. No. Please. You, you do you not walk the leadoff yourself. batter in that spot. But that's a winner-take-all that, game. You're talking about leaving Jack Flaherty in? For that, for as long as he did, or oh no, I'm just talking about oh, inexcusableness. Oh, that's of, there's clear doses of sarcasm. <laughs> there is some sarcasm, but you you can lock someone up over that. So I, I'm not going to stand for that leadoff walk. 
the, the, in all seriousness, the Cardinals move on, and the Cardinals became a very unlikable se- team in this series. Yadi Molina, <laughs> Carlos Martinez. Someone's not a fan of the St. Louis Cardinals. I, I don't like him at all. I don't blame him. Learn your place. Learn your place. They're telling Acuna to learn his place. Don't allow a 500-foot home run. He can bat flip if he wants. And then Carlos Martinez follows up his words by blowing a save. Do your job. <laughs> Yadi Molina, do your job. This, this sounds I, like I, shut up and dribble. Exactly. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't like this team whatsoever. I, I think the Nationals are going to wipe the floor of them. They have Whoa. much better pitching. They have much better everything. I like the Nationals in this upcoming series, and not just because Carlos Martinez and Yadi Molina don't know how to act, but because I love the Nationals' talent level, and I have all all season. I have all postseason. So I'll segue that into you guys. Carlos Martinez and Yadi Molina aside, who do you like in the upcoming series? I like St. Louis. For reasons that may supersede talent, just because the devil magic exists at Bush Stadium, I'm I'm clearly convinced of it. I mean, it, it's happened before. It happened in 2011. It happened in 2013 to get them to the World Series. But in terms of this team coming together at the right time, they have. Like, they absolutely have come together at the right time. My one worry is that I, th- I think that if, if you're St. Louis, I'm concerned about how Mike Schilt handled this series in terms of the way he managed it because there were times in Game 3 where I questioned his decision-making. Sticking with Adam Wainwright to face Ozzy Albies in the 8th inning with two runners on didn't end up costing him because he walked Albies and then they brought Andrew Miller and he was able to get Freeman out. But then to bring Carlos Martinez in a safe situation in the ninth inning of a one-run game after he was an absolute disaster in game one. And he, the only reason they won that game was because they were up four runs going to the ninth, and he gave up two home runs. But I, I, I'm con- I'd I'm be a little concerned with the managerial matchup because I really like the way Davey Martinez handled the NLDS, especially when it mattered most in game five. And even though I like St. Louis's starting pitching, you're probably going to have to... F- hold Jack Flaherty till game three. So can you get away with going with Adam Wainwright and Dakota Hudson in game one and two? I don't even know actually how they, because they could go with Michael List as well. So th- there's a lot of options they can go with. But in terms of the lineup, Goldschmidt and Ozuna are going to hit. That, that, that That's what you know you're going to get from St. Louis. It's can the other guy step up. And Were you talking about Michael List in game one? He's pitching. He is pitching game one. He's pitching okay, game that's one. interesting. Sanchez he came out of the bullpen in Michael game Lissa four. So. Anibal Sanchez for the Nationals. Okay, that that that's that is interesting. How because that's probably how it should go. Because I mean, Michaelis pitched game one against Atlanta. He was pretty good, but that that's an interesting game one matchup. I'm not sure it's exactly the game one matchup you. It's not drew billboard up. material. It, it it's not Scherzer Jack Flaherty. That that is for sure. It's, it's not something it's you're going to sell to the average baseball fan. But it's good baseball. It really is. It'll be competitive. That, that's for sure. But. Uh, in terms of who I like, I like the Cardinals because I don't think the Nationals have enough pitching, which is ironic considering they're three starters, but the bullpen is a, just too much of a concern for me, and I don't think they can get through a seven-game series with the lack of pitching that they have because they're going to have to go three-man rotation. You're going to have to hope on short rest that these National starters can perform superhuman acts, and I just don't think that's going to be the case because you can only get so many innings out of your bullpen when you have to start. Actually, I mean, they're going to go four guys, actually. They're, Sanchez. Theoretically, Sanchez as well is going to be involved with this, too. So, uh, I, I still like the Cardinals because I just don't think the Nationals' bullpen 
has enough to do it, but I, I do think it's going to be a good series. It looks like what the plan is going to be for the Cardinals is Michaelis game one, Wainwright game two, and then Flaherty and Hudson. That's what they've got right now. Obviously, very much mm-hmm. subject to change, but I also like St. Louis. I'm going to pick them in six games for the same reason you had, Jackson. That Washington bullpen, unless the starters can go seven or eight every game, will never ever survive a seven-game series. It's just not going to happen. And that lineup is insanely deep, and the starting pitching you could put up there with anyone in baseball, but there is no chance that this bullpen is going to make it through if the starter does not go six or seven innings. And they were able to get away with it against the Dodgers. It was also a short series. They could deploy their starters more creatively. They're not going to be able to do that in a seven-game series. I like the Cardinals. The lineup's good enough. And I, I think they're going to win, and they're going to go to the World Guys, Series. can we credit Steven Strasburg, by the yes. way? He was oh, up he against was it, and he was almost like a Jacob deGrom Game 5 against the Dodgers-type outing where he gritted it out and gave his team a chance to win. That that game looked out of control early on. And Steven Strasburg, as terrific as he is in most starts, was not terrific and still gave his team a chance to win. So he's proven more and more wise in for a payday. I mean, he did what Mike Fultonevich couldn't do. I mean, Fultonevich couldn't recover from a bad start and was yanked after a third of an inning. Strasburg came back and pitched six, which is all you can ask for if you're Davey Martinez because, I mean, anytime you go down 3 nothing in an elimination game, that's got to rattle you. I don't care who you are. That, that has to rattle you a little bit. And Strasburg came back, and he deserves a ton of credit and really set the precedent going forward. And, what was impressive is that the Nationals bullpen didn't manage to allow a run in that game, and I, I've talked so poorly about their bullpen, but they managed to get it done in Game 5. I just don't see them being able to do it over a seven-game series. And something worth mentioning for St. Louis, they had the best bullpen in the National League this year. And, I mean, you have guys like Giovanni Gallegos. Obviously, Martinez struggled in the DS, but I think he's a guy that going forward can be a factor. Andrew Miller, obviously. They, they just have so many options out of the bullpen that they can go to. Will Mike Schilt do it enough? I'm not necessarily sure, but I think that the bullpen moves and the Nationals will be enough for the Cardinals to get to the World Series. Should be fun. Two big-time championship series matchups on tap. One historic, potentially, between the Yankees and the Astros. Then you have Nationals, Cardinals, a lot of red in that series. And then, ultimately, a World Series that is going to be very star-studded. Coming up in just a couple weeks. So, guys, it's been fun. Good DS recap, and we'll be back here. Let's say end of the CS. We'll come back and do another episode. Jimmy Sullivan, Jackson Heil, Emmanuel Barbari, Nosebleeds, WFUV Sports.